Welcome to the Safety Culture Chronicles. I'm Kat Harrison, and I've spent the last few years working alongside Suzette Woodward, Dane Wigg and others as part of the Sign Up to Safety Culture team. This is our new podcast series that explores the most important lessons we've learned since the campaign launched in 2014. We see this as our handover to you, so that what we've experienced and learned alongside our 550 members is not lost, but can be used and built on further by anyone who's committed to creating a strong safety culture where they work. Over this time, we've grown to understand that patient safety is about so much more than short-term projects and harm-specific activity, which is so often aimed at small, discrete groups of people. It's hugely affected by how each person in the system behaves towards each other and is even directly related to whether or not we care for those who care for patients. We hope you find this series to be full of useful and practical information and also a giant injection of hope and enthusiasm for the future of patient safety. We've come a long way and there are many reasons to feel confident that the future looks kinder and focused on learning rather than blame. So welcome to our third podcast. Um, in the last couple of um, episodes, we have looked at sort of how Sign Up Safety got off the ground, so the approach we took, how we tried to be um, different and what that looked like. Um, and then we looked at you know how we felt collaboration played a role and what that really looked like, the highs and lows around that, the benefits and drawbacks. Um, and that like, really led us on to talking about um, implementation, which of course is very, very focus, a big focus of a lot of the people who are members of Sign Up to Safety. Um, in terms of what we asked of people at the beginning, anyone that was a provider organisation um, was asked to do a safety improvement plan. Um, and implementation of that and implementation projects was a huge part of many people's plans. Um, and it became a real, in, a, a real point of interest for us, um, partly because we took this approach of really collaborating closely with those who are members themselves rather than looking elsewhere. We felt that we could focus on helping them do what they needed to do better. Um, and as part of that, the feedback we started to get was, was this sense of frustration and, and sort of loss in a way of, you know, of all this energy being poured into things and then just not necessarily seeing the results that they expect to see or hope to see um, and not really understanding why. And then that was mirrored um, through, you know, Suzette's experiences going out there and talking to people um, every each and every week. Um, Dane's experience is doing the same. Um, some of our supporting sort of cast, <laughs> people like Sarah Garrett and Jane Reed and Owen um, and uh, Catherine, and of course David Naylor who worked at King's Fund. All of these people, you know, when we get together in a meeting, we'd have these really really fruitful open conversations. Often this would come up, this sort of recognition of people's frustrations and sort of almost, you know, from some people, a sense of almost anger, really, of like, why can't we do more to help them? Or, you know, what is it standing in the way? And, you know, after all this effort that goes back to the early 90s of recognising, you know, that there is harm and what can we do about it? You know, why isn't it gone? Why isn't that, why is harm still happening? Um, so, yeah, so we thought we'd delve a bit more into something that we noticed which is called the implementation gap and um you know what we did about that sign up to safety and the approach that we took mm. um and it was quite an interesting one because it's very much experience based wasn't it for us so we decided that the only way you know in keeping with our philosophy but also in, in keeping with reality the only way that you could really get a better understanding of um what this gap was or how this gap existed was to talk to people who experienced it and what we the parlance we'd now use is getting closer to work is done 
But we didn't know that at the time. No, we didn't. <laughs> that's, that's what's so interesting. We, but we had this instinct of knowing that you had to kind of, you know, what is it? We're kind of toolkits and all this kind of stuff is, you know, saying this will happen if you do this, that and the other. But then actually what's really happening, because there seems to be a gap there. Um, so, yeah, so we, so we embarked on something called Beneath the Surface which turned out to be a big focus for the whole of our second year, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really fed into our approach. And it, it became, for me, it was like a, God, it was a moment of bridging, I think, between almost like old world, new worlds yeah. in our thinking, if that makes yeah. sense, you know? Yeah, and to to, to explore the gap, we, um, as a team, designed a, an event where, and we thought we could do more of these, but actually only did one because it was an immense amount of work to do it right, but... It, um, and a lot of money, and which we didn't money. have. Yeah, <laughs> but it was fruitful. And the, what we decided to do was the expertise, knowledge was already there with our members, so we need to find a way to bring them together and explore what they know, what they might not realise they know. And we created an event called Beneath the Surface, which we had thirty-three places for, um, and we invited our members, and we. To just like interview process, we ask people to write a couple hundred words into why they want, what they understand, what the issues, and why they'd like to be part of it. Um, so we get that to was really key for me. Yeah, that filtering aspect. It sounds a bit mean, but we did actually. We just we'd love to have everybody there. But we wanted um, people who really, really, really were keen on, on finding out. We're trying to help find out what this gap's all about. And um, David and the rest of our team, we created a. A method, I guess we called it, called the TRIO. And what was it based on? It was based on... So the TRIO methodology is based on co-consultancy, where you have um, three people, clearly, TRIO, um, and you have um, a a speaker. um, um, We tended to call them a storyteller, didn't we? Mm. We were really into storytelling as a way in which people could share their knowledge. And And so you'd have your speaker, then you'd have your listener. And then back to, you know, our second podcast, or was it our first, where we talked about how important (laughs) it was to listen, but also learning the skills of listening. And so the listener, where we would, where we really wanted to help people think about using probing and clarifying questions and not, and open questions and not the kind of closed questions that often happens, you know, the closed being where... Um, yes, no answers. Uh, yes, no answers, exactly. Um, and then the third um, person in the, in the trio was an observer. And the, and we had so, so many amazing things that came out of this. I think the trio methodology gave us a way in which people could tell their story, the way in which we could encourage that skill enhancement around listening, but also the skill of observing what is being said and then what isn't being said and take and then having all of that as a way of drawing some conclusions is probably too strong a word but some thoughts and insights uncovering something you may not have really realized but not only in words but in visual imaging and in metaphors so we tried to encourage people to think in metaphors didn't we Mm -hmm. so did the story remind them of something like pushing a boulder up a hill or did the story remind them of hitting your head against a brick wall or and because we wondered whether the use of visuals and metaphors might transcend sometimes the language issue between people which we thought was quite interesting but one of the things that I thought was really amazing was the way Dane and particularly you um, and others thought so carefully about 
yes, you've talked about who, but you talked about how they would be greeted, how they would work together, what even just the you know the venue, the way in which we wanted to keep people comfortable, um, the greeting. Um, so everything about that was really, really thought through, and I think that was really clear for people who came. And also what people received before. There was a lot of communication was all email-based, but it was so crafted in detail to make sure that everybody understood that this wasn't just a day out from the office. You're going to be participating mm. quite actively and possibly, you know, it might be a bit uncomfortable at times, mm. but we wanted to make them feel safe and also... It would have been annoying if someone couldn't make it. You know, things happen. But mm. I think we had a hundred percent turnout, didn't we? Yeah, we had hundred and one percent. Oh yes, <laughs> we had an extra person turn up. <laughs> but we did things time. like we sent them, and everyone had to provide a photo, so we could tell them ahead of time who'd be in their trio. Yeah. So they got you know a little profile and a photo. This will be your team for the day. So they felt connected into it. We think an event before they'd even arrived. So. I think the key thing there, and for for sort of those listening as well, if they're doing anything that involves engaging other people or. Um, asking people to come along and you're relying on them um, to to kind of really go quite far on the day. Like we knew that it was going to be quite a challenging day mm-hmm. to people and, and there was a lot of careful facilitation, um, as you said. And But also there's a the knowledge that, you know, things start way before you get people in the room, isn't mm-hmm. it? So And that was something that bore out across everything, I think everything that we did. So as soon as, as, soon as the invitation went out or even was mentioned in the newsletter, it had a link to to the end of the campaign. You know, it was all thought through and it was all cared about and it was all clear. And I remember you saying, Dane, you know, the important things about, you know, what people are going to worry about and David doing the same. You know, David kind of and how Sarah can we... talked a lot about yeah. anxiety and diminishing the anxiety of anyone Absolutely. coming. Because I think the other thing is that when you think you're coming to an interactive day... That it's frightening. It's, it, it's scary, but also they think they're going to be have to not be themselves they're going to have to act a part and it might be be like role modeling and their stories might be judged and so on and we tried to say to them this is just your story this is your experience and all you're doing is sharing it and hopefully being heard and listened to and helped and so I think that that was a really important to minimize the anxiety by by the stuff beforehand it was such a brilliant inspired thing to do to link people up with their trios even before I remember somebody arriving and going I've just seen somebody who's in my trio because I know who they are and I thought that was really lovely giving them a little gift as well yeah I think as part of it so well, the behavioural insights world talks for a lot yeah, about that. Lot yeah. give, give people stuff before <laughs> they start um, uh, means that they um, want to give you what you are asking yeah. for. And, yeah, and that sounds really sneaky. And it's not sneaky at all. It's about being very giving and, and, and yeah. saying... I think it's about valuing, again. Yeah. So it's, it, I so think it's more about... Out. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's exactly that. So it's kind of... There's a lot of sort of assumption, I think, just in in sort of not not... You know, not to say about the NHS as a whole or anything like you know, they're big, big, big sweeping statements. But often when you go to something, it's sort of just a given that people are giving their time, yeah, and that they're expected to do it because you know, it's a hierarchy thing, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah. we were a national campaign, and we were asking something of people, and so it could have been expected that they would just turn up, they'd give us what we wanted, and go away again. And so I think it was enormously surprising <laughs> to a lot of people the care and attention and the gratitude. Because that we showed and, and that came through in things like the little gift and yeah. the tea and coffee and the location. Yeah, and a lot of, and, you know, we had the different rounds throughout the day and we broke off into groups and 
it was a very complex yeah, way you can actually, what, arranged. what would be really interesting if people are genuinely interested in how you kind of run an event we've got some of that stuff on the website haven't we I believe so but yeah we will definitely make sure that's there the, yeah. the handbook that we had yeah, it's probably not on the new website, but we could get it. So we there. might want to think about that mm. because actually, um, it was a really lovely thing to to, to do in t- the design. So from what, one trio conversation to um, a small group, and and this is going to make no sense whatsoever to the audience, <laughs> but to a small group to talk through what was just heard, and then another trio, and then another small group, and, and then a, a and then a large group, and so we're now uh, confusing the audience completely. But basically, what what I'm what I'm probably wanting to share is that if you craft something so exquisitely beautifully um, that it makes it flow from one thing to the other to the other and the learning builds and builds and builds at the end of the day there's a sense of common purpose and commonality and there's a depth in knowledge that we we gained from the the people who came we are so indebted to them because Mm -hmm. they shared so much with us and hopefully with each other that it made a big big difference to our thinking from then onwards massively but what makes me kind of smile a bit is that it was very different to what we expected yes like we actually didn't walk out there going oh we've just narrowed the implementation gap you know, <laughs> you know what, what I happened? think the people who did yeah <laughs> I think the people who spoke to each other gained like I remember feeling almost like emotional actually about it watching them sometimes and um but that sense of I think they gained a great deal about their own specific situation yeah and the stories that they had shared they gained a sense of space in order to think differently and, and contribution from people in, in a way that they'd never gained before yes. which I think was amazing and it was that that impacted on us and changed our thinking whereas we'd gone into it thinking that we would suddenly yeah. come out with some kind of magical insight perhaps or you know just really we didn't really have an idea of what we would come out with because that's the idea is that we were trying something new but what came out crystal crystal clear was the benefit there is to be had from being listened to, being able to actually articulate your problem in a way that can be listened to and accepted and fed into and reflected upon without feeling that you have to present your best face. Or that you're being judged. Or that... Or on the other side, the people feel that they have to find the answer and the solution. At the Um, end, was one of the things that stuck with me and that sort of final session with everyone, it was more of a just a general chat amongst the entire group. And I think she may have been a consultant or a doctor, but there was something really that her story she shared was quite, you know, it's obviously something a horrible accident at work or something quite bad, but no one had ever asked her about how she felt about that. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time she got to share that within since it happened. And yeah. And didn't she say something like she that we we help make her feel human again? Something like that? Something like that. Mm. Yeah. Um that came across a lot more in the fishbowl we did too. That was a real theme for me. Yeah, I think a different the, method. I think the the, the 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 trio methodology made us realise that there are there are some evidence based methodologies for getting people together and talk about stuff. And so we wanted to explore that further, didn't we, when we um we explored stuff called um the fishbowl um, methodology, which I'd never which heard I of think before, sounds really scary. Like, it's like if you're sitting in a fishbowl, you're being looked at by everyone. The symptoms of the electrodes. Yeah, exactly. But actually, it's quite a good thing to look up. It's worth looking into. Yeah, I think again, we might not be able to explain the actual. I think methodology. really comes down to listening and talking, though, doesn't it? Like, it almost doesn't. There's different ways to do it. I tell you what it does. It com- also comes down to expert facilitation, really yeah. expert facilitation in holding. The ring um, at holding the the way in which people are talking to each other to keep it 
respectful, kind, and safe. Container, they call it. Yeah, they, they do. They could, yeah, Sarah and David call it containing. Yeah. Um, and um, we tried out the fishbowl um, in one session, didn't we, with patients and um, a group of clinicians. And the patients had either experienced harm directly or had a relative that had been harmed. And the clinicians, undoubtedly, as all clinicians are, have been involved in elements of being um, in respect of incidents that had happened to patients. Um, and that was so beautifully and carefully facilitated by, by David and Sarah. And I, and I think one of the most joyous things that we learned about that was that everyone actually wanted the same thing. Yeah. These two they, tribes, uh, you know, that never They all really... wanted to be heard and listened to yeah. and cared for and valued and respected. And, and it was just so the beautiful. The way we deal with investigations and things like that, that we separate them. It's yeah. keeping apart, Yeah. Yeah, so immediately there's an adversarial nature the moment something goes wrong because patients and family are kept in one corner, clinicians and managers and others are kept in another. And you, sh- you know, and I know that there's obviously things like the duty of candor where you're supposed to go and say sorry, but that feels a little bit like it's created a bit of a barrier because it's like, how do I say that? What do I say? When do I say that? And that barrier has, uh, in some cases, pushed that pushed those people further apart. And we, and what we've learned is that there needs to be a way in which people can come together and talk to each other, one human being to another. Because mm-hmm. that's all they ever wanted on that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just so, do you remember that clinician that stood up to one of the patients and said, all I want to do is give you a hug because yeah. that's what I would, and that's what I would have done at the exact time of whatever happened to you. And it was really moving. And the perspectives being shared too, like, you know, the, the sense that it felt that everyone in the room gained a much deeper understanding of the other perspective mm. um, in a in a meaningful way. And quite so without being told they had to think something. <laughs> to some extent, relatively quick way. I mean, it was it was a morning. Mm. You know, yeah, how long does it take for people to really truly understand that we that, that all they want to do is care for each other um, and be kind? Um, so that had a huge impact on yes everything we did and. So we had the trio methodology, we had Beneath the Surface, just for our audience, why did we call it Beneath the Surface? Uh, I think there are some things that are hidden from each other, from ourselves, and uh, and sometimes there are things that we don't want to disclose because we don't know how to or whether we should. And I think we felt like we only knew so much above the surface about why things weren't safe, why harm happened, why things weren't implemented. And we wanted to get beneath that to find out the depth, the perhaps the reality, the real of what goes on. What isn't always acknowledged as well. Yeah. And I don't think we found that on that day. I think that's... There's no answer, I think, is what we realised. There's no kind of neat insight. But what we realised was the answer on that day was bringing people together makes a massive difference in a in a safe and careful way. And we that linked us to the fishbowl. That The learning from the fishbowl was bring people together in a safe and careful way. Mm-hmm. You could, and And... Um, Who's that wonderful woman, Margaret Wheatley, when she says something like a conversation can change the world? I, that's not her words. That's my interpretation of her words. But I know what you mean. a good conversation yeah. can change the way you think about people. Um, it's the understanding that we're all different, but we all have similarities. It's understanding that we can respect the differences and bring t- us closer together in terms of the things that we share in common. And that's what conversations does. And I think mm. that's what led us on to even further to start thinking about what is our purpose and our, our meaning and I think that then leads us on to things like our through line yeah. and 
the work that we did after that, which we'll probably want to talk about in our <laughs> <Yeah>. next podcast. <laughs> That's it. I think I think it was it sort of shifted things for me slightly from that still slight attachment of thinking that you can come up with a solution to realizing that there's actually a way of going about things that may help. Um, it won't create a universal answer. There is no universal solution to all these things, but there is a way of helping people on an individual level connect in a way that helps them yeah. and move themselves forward in their particular area. So it's again, it's about not sort of trying to transpose something from here to there, but it's actually about using that framework. So it kind of goes back a little bit to our philosophy around not telling people what to do, but giving them clear frame within which to operate. That's was worn out again for me and beneath the surface. It became a frame, the through line. We started to think about kind of what could be the one thing we talk about thread through everything we do that's really clear mm. easy um, to understand um, and that provides that clear framework that apl- can apply to everyone but doesn't sort of tell people what the response and outcome will be mm. um, and the, the idea of a through line is really interesting because it comes from um, theatre yeah, and from, film yeah. originally but so it's about storytelling and it's about kind of bringing people along with a narrative so that they can understand and it's and there's a thread that runs through something. Yeah, but I didn't know that it was anything to do with the theatre or storytelling oh. or anything because I, I read it in the in TED Talks book. TED Talks book. <laughs> yeah. The guide to TED Talks or the guide to public speaking or something it's called. Yeah. Um, just because you know what we're all like. We, mm-hmm. we do a lot of speaking to people and I think it's really, really important and the onus is on us to... to speak in a way which is heard, um, speak in a way which is um, inspiring, if you want that word, but but definitely engaging and... and, and Yeah, interesting. <laughs> God, we just want to be interesting. So I remember reading that book thinking, oh, this is going to give me the answers, you know, we're all yeah. searching for the solution. And, and I think it's about third way in the book where he talks about how... Um, the importance of a through line. I'm thinking, what the hell is that? And and he talks about how each presentation should have something that links it all. So you can't just randomly talk about mm-hmm. um, things and think that they're connected. The audience or that needs they're to... connected in your head. Yes. But you're not. You know, the mistake is that we often forget what other people don't know. Yes. And so it becomes a leap of faith for them between one side and another. You know, you haven't drawn the, the dots. But but for me, I think what was what was really interesting was that it wasn't that you had to have a beginning, middle, and end. It didn't mean that you had to, to create a formula of a story, um, and it didn't mean that you had to create um, uh, an identical way in which you would talk. It was just simply what's your through line? What is the thread that connects everything that you're saying? Um, can you summarise it in 15 words and can, ah yes and can you summarise it in 15 words and we spent two days didn't we trying to summarise two days yeah it's like really hard to do to summarise in 15 words Sounds what like we were trying to easy. do and um, and we came down to um, helping people talk to each other about helping people work safer. safely or being safer um, helping people talk to each other about working safely yeah and that felt right at the time and it still feels right and it still feels like of course that's what we want to do but actually what we would share with our audience is that we've even slightly moved um uh into helping people talk to each other but also then using that to focus on behaviors and values and the way in which we truly can help people work safely in a very different way from the very very early days of the campaign so i think our through line gave us 
um, I'm going to use another metaphor, but it gave us a real anchor. Uh, or it did for me. Mm. It gave me an anchor to hold on to and go, this is what we're about. And this thing will help us talk to people, ironically, sort of mm. talk to people about what we think could be done to help people work safer. Um, and it was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And that through line then helped us with our newsletters, our mm. presentations, our um, uh other pieces of work, even some of the work that we did um, with creating our uh, mural um, that we did with yeah. Jimmy um, and so on. It just gave us a sort of the thread, the through line to all of our work for quite some time, which was a really... So if, if there's nothing about this podcast, it's yeah. go and find out what your through line is. And, yeah. and if you can, stick to it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're quite... We say yes too often to people coming, can you, can you go yeah, and yeah. talk to this? Or would you include this in your newsletter? And it, and it gave us a thing, does it match our through line? Will it work with our through line? And no, sorry, we can't. You know, we've got a nice big audience that people want to piggyback onto. And they don't really understand how we treat our, our communication with quite a lot of care. And it's like, what are we saying? When are we saying it? Who are we saying it to? And we stick to quite a, you know... So it was a really, really useful tool to go, well, actually, no, I'm afraid that doesn't yeah. quite fit them. Yeah, gave us boundaries yeah, to operate in, didn't it? Yeah, but I think one of the nicest things about the through line was that day when we were sitting um, as a team again, and as we do, we chat, 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 and really uh, have deep, deep conversations. And when we were all talking about, do you remember that time when you're sitting around a kitchen table mm. and you're talking to your mum or your dad or your friends, and you're just sharing your day? And it could be really lovely, or it could be something that went wrong, and you just want to just share your day. And you're sitting there with a nice cup of tea or a coffee or whatever it is that you enjoy around a kitchen table. And I remember so much that we all sat there going, <gasps> I like that. <laughs> what if we did a few kitchen tables? And I suppose that's where this podcast might end because yeah. um, we're going to share everybody next time round um, everything we learned about kitchen tables. Yeah, how it connected. Um, brilliant. So I think we'll wrap it up there again in a bid to keep things nice and short and sweet. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. For us, Sign Up to Safety has just been one more step in the journey to understanding how to create a strong safety culture. So here's to the future and travelling further on this road together.